one. Boom. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest journey is a testament to the lessons learned through both failures and success in the business world. So let's get this one started. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real-life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Boss! All right, ladies and gents, today we have a guest with a wealth of business experience. With over four decades of navigating the business world, Roger has learned invaluable lessons from failures and successes alike. He's a he's passionate about helping small business owners protect their hard-earned money and build a strong foundation for their ventures. So in this conversation, we'll explore his journey from multiple businesses and MLMs to his current focus on tax preparation and online courses. So get ready for some insight on business finance, personal principles, and the moral compass in today's business landscape with our guest, Mr. Roger Pearson. Hi, Roger. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's start off with the uh, very first and always obvious question. Everyone who comes on the show is here to promote something, to get their message out, to get their product or service out. What is that for you? What is it that you do for a living? Well, as a living, I'm a master tax advisor and IRS enrolled agent for the going on 22 years now, actually. And I work primarily with small businesses, straightening out the messes they've made for themselves. That is Absolutely true. So I've been in tax preparation uh, for since about 2006. Uh, my degrees in accounting, so I, I understand the uh, the hardship that you have when uh, when a client shows up with a shoebox full of receipts. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, we can get them squared away so that doesn't happen. Uh, but I feel like almost every tax preparer, enrolled agent, uh, specifically. There's a specific niche that you like to go in when it comes to tax preparation. It could be business entities. It could be uh, small business owners, real estate agents. I got a couple of buddies that are that are just working with uh, with real estate professionals, for example. Do you have a specific target audience that you go after when it comes to uh, the tax prep? I generally try to uh, stay with small business people. Uh, the ones I uh, work with are generally uh, about less than a quarter million. Less than a quarter million in in uh, overall revenue. In, in, in revenue, yes. Uh huh. All right, all right. Well, let me ask you about your educational background. Your your journey to become an an EA because I don't think people are quite aware. There's a number of different routes that you can go when it comes to becoming a tax professional. You can, I mean, I, I'm in the state of California. We have a, a California tax education council. So you can get CTEC certified. You can become an enrolled agent. You can be a CPA. Uh, there's a number of different ways. How did you find yourself uh, doing tax preparation? It came through a route I never expected. Um, during the, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, I started out with a paper route, you know, when I'm 16 and I've always uh, taken try to find a niche and fill it. You know, there's a lot of businesses I've had that that I found I didn't like doing. I had a landscape company for a while and decided I didn't like the 103 degree temperatures in the Midwest. 
And then I tried a custodial company for a while. And then, of course, there were the people, employees. I decided I didn't like employees either because they don't show up. And then you've got crises you got to go fix. <clears throat> but during the 90s, I decided to go back into uh, management. And uh, the 90s were the, the decade of downsizing. I don't know if you remember that or not. But I got downsized out of three major co companies during the 90s. I just get myself up to a, uh, a management level, making a decent salary once again. And suddenly they were called in the office and said, your position doesn't exist anymore. And I had that three times in the 90s. And I said, I don't know. I don't I don't want to go back into that nightmare again. So uh, I had a friend that uh, so why don't you go take this tax course over here that I, I've taken. It's uh, And you could just you do tax returns for a season or two till you figure out what you want. And so that's what I did. And here I am 22 years later still doing it because I found that it's something I really, really, really enjoy doing. And it, it's not that I enjoy accounting. I could, uh, I can't think of anything more boring than being a CPA, quite frankly. Um, but to me, even though I work with numbers all the time, to me, the challenge here was is to learn the IRS rules so well that I can use them for my clients against the IRS to save them money. Oh man, it comes down to evasion or avoiding taxes, right? The, the age old question, are you evading or are you avoiding uh, taxes when it comes to tax preparation? And uh, I'll be honest, man, um, my road into taxes was very similar. I had a, a, a small business, a computer repair business. Uh, it was doing really well until my brother decided he, uh, his girlfriend broke his heart. He joined the Navy and left. And so I was, I was stuck with this business and I was like, you know what? I'm going to shut this down in the process of shutting it down. I realized I didn't really know anything when it came to business. Apparently I paid my employees really well, which is why they never left, which is awesome. I just didn't know I was supposed to pay the state of California. I didn't know I was supposed <laughs> to pay the IRS. They didn't like that very much. Um, so in, in the process of shutting that business down, I realized what I didn't know. And once I, once I went broke, shutting that thing down the very first thing was i enrolled in h&r blocks tax school because i wanted to know who was uncle sam why was he taking my money and was there anything i could do to avoid that going forward and and that's what happened 2006 i, I enrolled and i've been in i've been in taxes ever since it kind of never grew it never it never really went away it just continued to grow as a as a small business for me uh walk me through you growing your tax practice what was your experience like becoming a tax professional and, you know, 22 years down the road, I'm sure you have a, a pretty set database of clients that you see every year. Uh, I also took the H&R Block tax course and that's where I've been since, but I have about 500 clients a year. Now they aren't all uh, uh, business clients, uh, but um, a great majority are, are business clients, either for uh, the sole proprietorships, partnerships, uh, corporations, uh, a lot of uh, have a lot of people that do real estate even so it's it's a nice mix of people tell me a, a little bit about seagull technologies what's that all about seagull tech <laughs> that's a long story seagulls uh, i i wrote uh, i read a book called jonathan livingston seagull back in about early 70s and the main character in that i just identified as this you know he's kind of a rebel he didn't like going with the, the mainstream, and that described me pretty well. So I took on that moniker, and I've used it in all of my businesses since then, up to where in 94, I actually incorporated it 
and I've used it for all kinds of things during the year. Um, from uh, well, all of my all of my custodial businesses and and everything else I've done. I've done quite a few things since then. I even wrote a uh, seagull the autobiography on my corporate website that just, from the point of view of the seagull about all of my different businesses and everything over the years. So it's just kind of a tongue in cheek thing, which is kind of cute. But uh, that's where I've kept kept it. And now I'm into uh, uh, business education. I'm transitioning again because for the last 20 years, you know, I, I, I said to myself, I can help a lot of people if they come in and sit before me. And it usually takes a two to three year process before they really understand everything that they need to understand. But it says that limits me and I think I could do so much more. I want to try to reach the people before they sit down at a task repairs desk so they can have an intelligent conversation. And uh, because not all tax repairs are equal, not all CPAs are created equal. There are good ones and bad ones in every position. But unless you know what they're talking about or what they should be talking about, you're at a disadvantage. You know, you need to be able to go in and interview your tax preparer, interview your accountant to make sure that they are just not a numbers person and next, 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 or whether they're going to sit down with you and they're going to try to understand your business to do the best job for you. And I found that's what's really lacking in the industry is that that personalization has gone away. I have so many so many CPAs out there. They say, well, drop the stuff off. I'll call you when it's done. How can they do a proper job for you in, in that mode of operation? You know, because they, if the, there's so many different little things like depreciation and so forth where you can manipulate the tax law to your advantage. And unless that uh, person that's taking care of this for you sits down with you and understands what your objectives are, not only business-wise, but personally, um, they can't really do the best job for you. So I want to educate people so that they know how to interview those people so they know what they should be talking to them about and give them a base for that. And it, it's not only important for that reason, because life always gives us opportunities if we're on the lookout for them. Mm -hmm. And you need to prepare yourself for those opportunities. And this is in, in knowing how to, to build a proper foundation under your business and know all these rules and regulations and everything else. It's going to give you a heads up when it comes to taking advantage of those opportunities. It's like playing Monopoly. I always felt like the first time you play Monopoly, you probably lost. You didn't do that great of a job. But the second time you play Monopoly, now you had a chance of winning. And the only difference between the first and the second time is you understood the rules to the games. And I think that's the way uh, business is often played. You play it and you realize after that first year, oh, man, I didn't actually know anything. I didn't know what the rules were. You didn't understand the the vocabulary that's in that space. You're learning everything you need to learn. And when you go and sit down in front of a tax preparer, I always thought of it as like, ta like, like financial therapy. When I sit down with a client, they sit down and they tell me everything who got divorced, who died, who was born, <laughs> like everything that happens in their year, because you never know in the story what has a tax consequence and what doesn't. And I agree with you. You know, if you're dropping off your documents, I could prepare a return, but it's not necessarily going to be the best return possible because I didn't go through our therapy session and ask you the proper questions. That's just going to be the, the, the big differentiator when it comes to this, the little nuances 
that could be the difference between a refundable and non-refundable credit or whatever that you can input because of that situation that you're learning about them. Uh, what advice would you give to small businesses that are starting out today? Like you've been in taxes now for 22 years. You've seen businesses come, you've seen businesses go. Uh, what advice would you give them if they're getting started now? Well, the first advice is always educate yourself, you know, find it, find it. Um, the second thing is, you know, there's certain things that trip people up. I, the biggest problems I have is people wait until the end of the year to find out if they had any, made any money or not. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest uh, causes of failure within the small business world, because basically, unless you know uh, on a month to month basis what your net profit is, you need you need to know that so you can fix in the middle of the year, fix something before it gets worse by the end of the year. You know, you need to be that nimble in any business that you're in. And I find that is probably the biggest problem that most beginning small businesses have. They have no idea if they've made any money or not. And of course, you have to take a lot of things into consideration for that. But the first thing, you know, I see, and the other big mistakes I see is people co-mingling funds, you know? They have one checking account for their personal and their business. And then, boy, if there's one thing the IRS hates, it's that, you know. Uh, the other is um, is not keeping uh, uh, mileage logs properly. Uh, they just come in and say, oh, yeah, I drove about 20,000 miles last year. <laughs> the IRS doesn't accept that. They want a day-by-day -day accounting of how much you you uh, drove each day and the business purpose for it. And, and all of these are the things that have to be to uh, talk to people when they come in. And, and that's unfortunate because by, they've lost a lot of money because they didn't keep the proper records. And one of the things I always go into is how to organize your paperwork so that you don't run into these problems. And that's, that's, a big, that's probably the biggest problem. People have never learned how to organize their paperwork properly. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do if you've never done it before. Tracking mileage is uh, is tedious, but luckily today we live in the age of apps. There's a Mileage IQ app, I think it's I think it's called Mileage IQ, with a little yes. click of a button. You just tap it, start your your mileage log. When you're done and get to your spot, you tap it. It keeps a daily record. You're set. And for those Uber drivers or Lyft drivers, you even got it better because the app's already tracking your your mileage, and it makes it pretty easy at the end of the year when they report that stuff. Stuff. but you're exactly oh, but that's, right. that's not that's not accurate mileage because the only thing that uber or a uh, lift or those is the mileage between the store and the customer they don't track the mileage from your house to the store which is also deductible that's why you have to keep your own logs and not depend on the ones they provide you because you're cheating yourself if you do and that's that could be a lot i mean i think uh what is it 56 and a half cents per mile or 58 and a half cents per mile we have yeah. this year that the last year was two different rates. The the last six months it was sixty two and a half cents a mile, and that Ooh. ends up in a hurry. Oh yeah, it does. Totally does. Um, then then there's also the little nuances that I think are are funny in the tax law. Things like we're speaking about mileage, so things like where you take a standard deduction versus the actual expenses. I don't think people quite understand that. The other side of that, which is a, a recent change in 2018, was between itemizing and taking a standard deduction. 
Um, both of these tend to be uh, convoluted. It's like when people say things like, I got full coverage on my car. Do you actually know what the full coverage means? Because there's a breakdown <laughs> of stuff there too. Um, give me a little a little uh, feedback there on actual versus standard, itemized versus uh, versus uh, standard deduction. Yeah, since 2018, they raised, they almost doubled the standard deduction. And I probably out of 500 clients, I maybe have 10 clients that actually use actual expenses, Schedule A actual expenses uh, on their personal returns because the standard deduction, they don't meet it. By the time you you add up medical expenses and home mortgage insurance and the property tax on your taxes, which is now limited to 10,000 and charitable contributions, it doesn't even come close to matching what the standard deduction is. And you want to deduct whichever one is more because that's going to give you the lowest amount of taxes. Yeah, exactly. The whole idea, the whole idea here is to make sure that you pay the least amount in taxes as possible, as legally possible, finding as many legal loopholes, as many legal deductions as you possibly can. Uh, let me ask you, there's a number of different preparers that people can go with, but they end up coming to you, Roger. Why do your clients come to you? What is it that you feel you do best? Because I care. <laughs> I really, really, really care about my clients. They've come, they, they've threatened to come down and track me down if I ever retire. A few of them. <laughs> and some of them I have, uh, I still have two clients that have been with me since uh, 2002 when I started. Um, and and they've, they've moved away. And I have people in uh, that I do taxes in seven or eight states now because they've moved away, but we do it virtually because they couldn't find anybody uh, locally that they thought did a better job. And, and it, it comes down to that, you know, because I, I go to the attitude, I want to treat everybody else like I would be treated myself. I would want to be treated, you know? And when you keep that, you and, and that's really, it's hard to find nowadays in, in the world that we live in. It used to be commonplace when I was growing up, you know, I'm in my seventies, so. Um, it's a totally different world nowadays and, and you don't have a lot of that personalization anymore. And when you do find, I think it stands out, but it's, it's, it's the right way to do things. I believe. You said you started in 2002 with H&R Block. You've been there for 20 plus years. Uh, are you still with them today? And, and if you are, why haven't you decided to kind of venture out on your own? Why stick with a big franchise? Well, there's two basic reasons. Uh, number one, I like being a contract employee because it's my it, part of my entrepreneurial stuff because I make quite a bit of money with 500 clients during tax season. And then I could do my own thing the rest of the year. Sometimes I come back in the fall for a little bit to help out. But um, I, I like that. I like to set, I, make, I get to set my own schedule um, and my own hours. I get to work what I want to. I get to help the people I want to. Uh, and if I had my own, then you're 12, uh, 12 months out of the year. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be answering the phone, you know, and you've got to be dealing with problems. And that's not the type of life that I want. Plus, the other thing that is really important is that, you know, when I'm um, doing taxes through their system, they have the final liability. Plus, there's always somebody there to help the clients when I'm not. So it just is kind of like the best of both worlds, you know? 
I totally understand that one because uh, once I left and went out on my own, you're exactly right. There is no limited liability. It all falls on you or your company anyways. Uh, and I still get to make my own hours and that sort of stuff, but uh, I, am, I, I am left over to uh, whatever happens after the extension is filed and then up until October 15th and beyond sometimes. I mean, we're literally in the review months right now, which is uh, one of the things that you kind of mentioned you wish more people did. Um, what does it mean to be in a review time before December 31st? Well, if, if, especially if you have a small business, anybody actually, if you've got like uh, various sources of income, uh, uh, dividends, uh, uh, interest, uh, you've got retirement income, uh, things like that, especially if you're in business, though, you should be having a review with your tax preparer in November, December, because, uh, for instance, a lot of people don't realize that if you don't have at least 90% prepaid of what your tax liability is, the IRS charges you penalties. And um, I just had one the other day, it came and sat down with the retirement. We figured out how much he needed to pay in an estimated taxes so he wouldn't be assessed a penalty when he did his taxes. So there's a lot of advantages to that. There's always advantages um, because you get to make moves before the year ends. And the big moves that you need to make um, should be done on a quarterly basis, but at the very least right before you your year ends. Because after the December 31st marker, there's – there's very limited stuff that you can do. Uh, Roger, if people want to reach out to you, they want to find out more about your services, maybe learning about uh, maybe getting prepared and, and squared away before the year ends, how can they do that? Well, there's a couple of different offers that I do. I mean, I have online, extensive online college level courses and everything I offer, but I always say people, if they want to start out, I have a free report that outlines how to build what you need to know knowledge-wise to have a solid business foundation under your feet. And you find that at seagulltechnologies.com slash free. And I also invite anybody, if they've just got a question, I realize it's, it's, it's hard to know who to trust nowadays. So I always offer, make the people they offer, if they want to go to seagulltechnologies.com, hit on the contact button and they can send me an email me and ask me any question they want to see if uh, they'd like to go any further. And then you're with you're with Block, so technically it doesn't matter across the country, anywhere people can still file a tax return in multiple states. Not a big deal, correct? That is, I'm I'm registered in all fifty states. Perfect, perfect. Well, Roger, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Tax season is right nearly upon us. I'm sure uh, your H and R Block offices are opening up with some sort of pre-tax season promo coming up here soon, uh, but. Uh, 500 clients is, is, is amazing. It's, it's awesome to have built that over 22 years. I don't know how, how you get them done in one tax season, but apparently you do, <laughs> but good luck to you, my friend, of course. And again, one more time, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to find out more about what Roger has to offer, you can go to SiegelTechnologies.com slash free, get his free uh, guide and help you kind of understand where you are as a business owner. One more time, seagulltechnologies.com slash free. Roger, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.